the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is the AV Professional, episode 16. How much discovery is enough? AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV. Driving technology through innovation. This is the AV Profession, the monthly look at how to make money and how to do your business better in the AV industry. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Uh, with us this, uh, this time to talk uh, about uh, discovery uh, is Bill Shearer from Navigate. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Nice to be here. Oh, thank you. Uh, we, 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 talk, we mentioned you know, in, in the intro here talking about discovery. One thing that's interesting is looking at um, you know, not just site survey, but also discovery in the, in the client process and then discovery in the, in the sales process. Um, real simple question, but it's, it's, there's a lot of layers here. How much discovery is enough uh, according to you guys? That, that question, Tim, and I know you don't mean it to be, but that question is almost rhetorical. <laughs> okay. Uh, in, in the sense, I guess someone asked Dave Lincoln one time how long a man's legs should be. And he said, long enough to reach the floor. So nice. um, we could give you an equally useless response to, uh, <laughs> to the question of how much discovery is enough. But I think there are some clues to it. If, if, if a disciplined sales rep addresses the three areas we think should be part of the discovery process, the odds are that it will be enough. It will be complete enough. It'll also be complete enough if your operations people don't have a half a dozen questions for you that you should have been able to answer when you handed over the job jacket. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll also be complete enough when the client doesn't have a lot of mid-project questions that should have been addressed in a scope of work uh, or in earlier discussions or in interaction with project management and others. So there's no simple answer to that question, but there are safeguards, there are uh, fundamental things that you can do that will certainly improve your odds. Nothing guarantees success in sales and everybody in sales knows it. Yeah. But there are things we can do that improve our odds of success. Well, let's go through, let's go through those three areas that you want salespeople to, to look at. Okay. Well, this is based on our experience uh, with only a few thousand salespeople uh, over the years, but we have identified uh, three areas to focus on with respect to discovery. And in our experience, uh, and, and mind you, almost any sales rep will acknowledge the need for discovery and they will tell you that they do it. Um, I've been on quite a few uh, sales calls and finding out that even those who say they do it don't do it too well. Um, and why, I'm not sure. Perhaps because we believe it's our charter to tell a story rather and to try to persuade the client rather than try to find out uh, answers to questions that will help the client get what they want or need. Um, so we believe there are three areas that need to be looked at. And uh, the first one is obviously is the project itself. What's the project at hand? We want to find out as many things about that as we can. Uh, and I think uh, in our industry, my experience is most sales reps do a pretty good job here. Because they have tools that relate to the job. They have checklists that they can use for needs analysis. They have site surveys. They have sample scopes of work. 
And what this does is capture the hard information that's necessary to deliver the project. So it takes care of a lot of the technical, the engineering, the quantitative, uh, measurable things, which are very important. Uh, in, in my view, they're not enough, but they're certainly important. The second area they should be looking at, which they do, uh, on average, I have to give them a, a C grade on this because they some do it well, some less well. It has to do with the people involved in the project. Uh, some of that will get captured at the, at the discussion of the project, but some of it won't. And this gathers some of the softer information uh, that's more qualitative than quantitative that it's infinitely helpful for the operations people to have. For example, if I'm a project manager, I would like to know uh, where's the power in this decision-making team? Who just makes a lot of noise but doesn't really have a lot of say in the matter? Who is critical to having on keeping them on board throughout this process if we don't want unnecessary uh, problems or hang-ups? So that's softer information, but I think the operations people want it and they ought to have it. And the only way they'll get it is if the sales rep passes it along. So first there's the project, and then there's the people. Uh, what are the various roles involved? Procurement, IT, who are the decision makers? One thing we've learned about sales is that everybody can influence the sale. There are usually only a few folks that can say yes, but there's a lot of people that can say no or that can make our lives more difficult. So that's why the people uh, should be addressed and it deserves more importance than it sometimes gets. The third area is the process itself. Well, there's that word again. Navigate's big on uh, processes for sure. Well, there's a reason but, for that, though, right? Well, there is, and we think a very good one. We think we can uh, uh, make as strong an argument as anybody is willing to hear about the importance of the process. But here, interestingly enough, we're not talking about our processes, as important as they might be. We're talking about the client processes. And this is an area that a lot of sales reps don't even touch on in their discovery, and we think they do so uh, to their disadvantage. What do we mean by that? Well, we have certain ways of doing things, to be sure, and we want to adhere to them so we can do our best work. But the client also has processes internally on their side, and they have preferences, and they have uh, customary ways of doing things. And the more we can align with the way they like to do business, the more it puts the odds in our favor. Now, we can't always do everything, you know, the, exactly the way they want it, but we should at least try to find out what some of those are. Examples. Uh, are there security issues here at the site that we should know about that? Is there something we should know about access or parking or protocols that have to be followed, security clearances and so on? Do you, how do you want us to send us your invoice? Um, one of my favorite discovery questions, quite frankly, is, um, is to uh, ask how much detail you need in the proposal. Because if they say they don't need much, guess what? I'm not going to line item our bill of materials. Yeah. I don't want them to shop us over at uh, uh, Best Buy to see if they can beat one item, because they always will be able to do that. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's often not explored by the sales rep. Then related to that, 
is not only what questions you ask in each of these areas, but a little bit about how you ask them. Note the difference, for example, between these two questions. One question we hear a lot is, what's your budget for this project? Every sales rep listening in will know that that can make a client very defensive. They'll lean back, fold their arms, and they don't want to tell you. And yep. they don't want to tell you because they know that whatever number they give you, you're going to exceed it. Consequently, I don't want them defensive, so I don't ask that question. Instead of saying, what's your budget? I say, how far along are you in your budgeting process? Same place we're going, but a lot less threatening and a much more open type of a question. Yeah. Likewise, <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. Likewise, a similar example would, might be, um, who's going to make the decision on this project? Well, if I ask whoever I'm talking to what that question is, the implication is you're not very important in this. I know I, I got to get to the real power, so tell me who they are. Again, make some defensive. I don't want to do that. I'd rather ask that same question, who, in addition to you, will be involved in the decision-making? Mm. Now I'm happy to tell you who my teammates are. Yeah. You see and, the distinction? Well, and not only that, but you, you, you word it differently, and, and you almost blunt that original question, right? Uh, where you're including them in the process and you're including them in the decision-making. Um, and, and, and if they're not part of the process uh, in, in truth, you're actually giving them a compliment and, and making them feel a part of it, even though their company may not be. Yes. Well, of course, they're probably part of the process or we wouldn't be having the True. conversation. Yeah. But they could be low-level. They could be exploratory. They could simply be gathering information. They could be collecting quotes, yeah. competitive quotes. Uh, those are all things I want to know if I'm the sales rep. So I really want to know how decision-making works over at your place. And we'll try to comply with that in every way that we can. So as, as we wrap up here, it, it's, it's a common question that I ask you guys a lot. But um, how, do we, how do we institutionalize it? How do we standardize this and make this commonplace through, for, for every salespeople uh, every salesperson in, in, in an organization? I, I think, Tim, the one word answer to that is training. Um, but certainly we would want the sales team to have an awareness of what, the, uh, what those three areas are and uh, the importance of attending to, some of, to, to certain parts of all three of them. I'd like to see them pay more attention, actually, then, to the way they do discovery. Um, another thing that uh, I find a lot is that most salespeople don't do much pre-planning before a meeting with a client or a sales call. And I would love to see them do a more thorough job of looking at what they're going to say and do, what they want to come away with, um, and actually spend some time looking into that instead of just relying on their wits to hit what's pitched whenever they get wherever they're going. Uh, the pro golfer would never do that. You're, the weekend golfer will be out there on the first tee, make a bet, hit the ball up in the woods or the water, and go from there. Uh, the pro will be out on the, on the driving range, the practice range, for three hours hitting nothing but seven irons. Yeah. And I don't think most of us in sales practice our craft the way other professionals do. Then, of course, finally, I think whatever they do gather in this discovery process should be passed along to their operations team. I think if those four or five things are, are addressed, 
uh, I think we'll see the results improve pretty dramatically. Very good. We'll end on that. Uh, Bill Scherer from Navigate, how do people get a hold of you or get a hold of Navigate if they're so inclined? They would be welcome to visit our website, which would be at NavigateMC for managementconsulting.com, or they could certainly call any one of our uh, four principals. Uh, I, for one, could be reached at 609-397-0933, and the website will give you further information about the others. Very good, Bill Sher from Navigate. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. For more information about us, you can find us at avnation.tv. avnation.tv, while you're there, check out our other programs. We have two weeklies, a bunch of monthlies that look at various aspects of the AV industry. All that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv.